Good afternoon, good afternoon. Hi. Well, welcome back to the next instalment of Five on Karen Island again. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. Well, we are chapter 13. And chapter 13 is Afternoon with Martin. So, by the time they reached the Coast Guard's cottage, the sun was out. It was a real April day, with sudden showers and then the sun sweeping out, smiling. Everything glittered, especially the sea. It was wet underfoot, but the children had on their rubber boots. They looked for the Coast Guard. As usual, he was in his shed, singing and hammering. <laughs> Good day to you, he said, beaming all over his red face. I was wondering when you'd come and see me again. How do you like this railway station I'm making? It's better than any I've seen in the shops, said Anne in great admiration. The Coast Guard certainly had made it well, down to the smallest detail. He nodded his head towards some small wooden figures of porters and guards and passengers. Those are waiting to be painted, he said. That boy Martin said he'd come in and do them for me. Very handy with his paints he is. A proper artist, but he's had an accident. Has he? What happened? said Julian. I don't quite know. He was half carried home this morning by his father, said the Coast Guard. Must have slipped and fallen somewhere. I went out to ask, but Mr Curtin was in a hurry to get the boy on a couch. Why don't you go in and ask after him? He's a funny sort of boy, but he's not a bad boy. Yes, we will go and ask, said Julian. I say, would you mind if we looked through your telescope again? Now you go and look at it all you want to, said the old fellow. I tell you, you won't wear it out by looking. I saw the signal from your father's tower last night, George. Just happened to be looking that way. He went on flashing for a long time, didn't he? Yes, said George. Thank you. I'll go and have a look now. She went to the telescope and trained it on her island. But no matter where she looked, she could not see Timmy or her father. They must be down in his workroom, wherever it was. She looked at the glass room in the top of the tower. That was empty too, of course. <sighs> she sighed. It would have been nice to see Timmy. The others had a look through as well, but nobody saw Timmy. It was plain that he was keeping close to his master. A proper little guard. Well, shall we go in and see what's happened to Martin, said Julian, when they'd finished with the telescope. It's just about to pour with rain again. Another April shower. We could wait next door till it's over. Right, let's go, said Dick. He looked at George. Don't be afraid I shall be rude, George. Now that I know Mr Curtin is a journalist, I shan't bother about him. All the same, I'm not blabbing any more, said George with a grin. I see your point now, even if it doesn't matter. I still shan't blab any more. Good for you, said Dick, pleased. Spoken like a boy. <laughs> Ass, 
said George, but she was pleased all the same. They went through the front gateway of the next cottage. As they filed in, they heard an angry voice. Well, you can't. Always wanted to mess about with a brush and paint. I thought I'd knocked that idea out of your head. You lie still and get that ankle better, spraining it just when I want your help. Anne stopped, feeling frightened. It was Mr Curtin's voice they could hear through the open window. He was giving Martin a good talking to about something. That was plain. The others stopped too, wondering whether to go in or not. Then they heard a bang and saw Mr Curtin leaving the cottage from the back entrance. He walked rapidly down the garden and made for the path that led to the back of the cliff. There was a road there that went to the village. Oh, good, he's gone. Oh, and he didn't see us, said Dick. Who would have thought that such a genial, smiling fellow could have such a rough, brutal voice when he loses his temper? Come on, let's pop in and see poor Martin while there's a chance. They knocked on the door. It's us, called Julian cheerfully. Can we come in? Oh, yes, shouted Martin from indoors, sounding pleased. Julian opened the door and they all went in. I say, we heard you'd had an accident, said Julian. What's up? Are you hurt much? No, it's just that I twisted my ankle and it was so painful to walk on that I had to be half carried up here, said Martin. A silly thing to do. Oh, it'll soon be right if it's just a twist, said Dick. I've often done that. Thing is to walk on it as soon as you can. Where were you when you fell? Dick went suddenly red to everyone's surprise. Well, I was walking on the edge of the quarry with my father and I slipped and rolled a good way down, he said. There was a silence. Then George spoke. Hey, she said, I hope you didn't go and give away our little secret to your father. I mean, it's not so much fun when grown-ups share a secret. They want to go snooping about themselves. And it's much more fun to discover things by ourselves. You didn't tell him about that hole under the shelf of rock, did you? Martin hesitated. Um, I'm afraid I did, he said at last. I didn't think it would matter. I'm sorry. Oh, blow, said Dick. That was our own little discovery. We wanted to go and explore it this afternoon, but we thought it would be so wet we'd fall down the steep slope. Julian looked at Martin sharply. I suppose that's what happened to you, he said. You tried clambering down and slipped. Yes, said Martin. I'm really sorry if you thought it was your secret. I just mentioned it to my father out of interest. You know, something to say. And he wanted to go down and see for himself. I suppose journalists are always like that, said Dick, wanting to be on the spot if there's anything to be ferreted out. It's their job. All right, Martin, forget it. But do try and head your father off the quarry. We would like to do a bit of exploring before he butts in, though there may be nothing to be found at all. There was a pause. Nobody knew quite what to say. Martin was rather difficult to talk to. He didn't talk like any ordinary boy. He never made a joke or said anything silly. Aren't you bored lying here, said Anne, feeling sorry for him. Yes, awfully. I wanted my father to go in and ask the Coast Guard to bring in some little figures I said I'd paint for him, said Martin, but he wouldn't let me. 
You know, I simply love painting, even doing a little thing like that. Painting clothes on toy porters and guards, so long as I can have a brush in my hand and colours to choose from. This was the longest speech Martin had ever made to the four children. His face lost its dull, bored look as he spoke and became bright and cheerful. Oh, you want to be an artist, I suppose, said Anne. I would like that too. Anne, you can't even draw a cat that looks like one, said Dick scornfully. And when you drew a cow, I thought it was an elephant. Martin smiled at Anne's indignant face. I'll show you some of my pictures, he said. I have to keep them hidden away because my father can't bear to me to want to be an artist. Oh, don't get up if you don't want to, said Julian. I'll get them for you. Oh, it's all right. It's good for me to try and walk. I will, said Martin and got off the couch. He put his right foot gingerly on the floor and then stood up. Oh, not so bad after all, he said. He limped across the room to a bookcase. He put his hand behind the second row of books and brought out a cardboard case, big and flat. He took it to the table. He opened it and spread out some pictures. Gracious, said Anne. They're beautiful. Did you really do these? They were strange pictures for a young person to draw, for they were of flowers and trees, birds and butterflies, all drawn and coloured most perfectly, every detail put in lovingly. Julian looked at them in surprise. This boy was certainly gifted. Why, these drawings were as good as any he had ever seen in exhibitions. He picked a few up and took them to the window. Do you mean to say... Your father doesn't think these are good, doesn't think it's worthwhile to let you train as an artist, he said in surprise. He hates my pictures, said Martin bitterly. I ran away from school and went to an art school to train, but he found me and forbade me to think of drawing any more. He thinks it's a weak, feeble thing for a man to do, so I only do it in secret now. The children looked at Martin with sympathy. It seemed an awful thing to them that a boy who had no mother should have a father who hated the thing his son loved most. No wonder he always looked dull and miserable and sullen. It's very bad luck, said Julian at last. I wish we could do something to help. Well, get me those figures and the paint tins from the Coast Guard, said Martin eagerly. Will you? Father won't be back till six. I'll have time to do them. And do stay and have tea with me. It's so dull up here. I hate it. Yes, I'll get the things for you, said Julian. I can't for the life of me see why you shouldn't have something to amuse yourself with if you want to. And we'll ring up my aunt and tell her we're staying here to tea, so long as we don't eat everything you've got. Oh, that's all right, said Martin, looking very cheerful indeed. There's plenty of food in the house. My father has an enormous appetite. Oh, I say, thank you so much. Julian rang up his aunt. The girls and Dick went to fetch the figures and the paint from the Coast Guard. They brought them back and arranged them on a table beside Martin. His eyes brightened at once. He seemed quite different. This is grand, he said. Now I can get on. It's a silly little job, this, but it will help the old man next door. And I'm always happy when I'm messing about with a brush and paints. Martin was very, very clever at painting the little figures. He was very quick and Anne sat watching him quite fascinated. George went to hunt in the larder for the tea things. There was certainly plenty of food. 
she put some bread and butter, found some new honey, brought out a huge chocolate cake and some ginger buns and put the kettle on to boil. I say, this is really, really great, said Martin again. Oh, I wish my father wasn't coming back till about eight. By the way, where's the dog? I thought he always went everywhere with you. Where's Timmy? Well, tomorrow we'll find out what happens. Whether Martin's dad catches them there. Whether he's okay with them being there. <gasps> well, we will see. We will see. Because tomorrow we'll read chapter 14. Okay? So, until then, make sure that you take care. Oh, and stay safe. <laughs> and I'll see you all again tomorrow. Okay? So, bye.